be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Winter Storm Panic Supply. If you're a local newscast and you need to do a live remote for the latest storm of the century... Just give us a call and we'll supply our cast of well-trained panicking extras to help you convey that sense of impending doom. Our actors can insist they're stockpiling bread and milk, they can lament that all the snow shovels are sold out, or they can warn that they've slipped on icy sidewalks, so everyone should be careful out there. Yes, all the cliches of snow news coverage are at your fingertips. So don't let your over-dramatized newscast wilt like, well, most snowstorms. Call Winter Storm Panic Supply today. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And as of this moment, Mickey, I am not snowed in, but I am assured by local news that I will be eating my family members by Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things, you know, is always on my list is obviously to make sure that I have enough um, Captain Morgan in the house, just in case the um, weather ghouls are right. But it's so strange to me, having lived in the north um, and then moving to the south, and the the change in the way that the weather people discuss these winter storms. And I know that this is expected to be an actual winter storm, but they get so excited. I mean, today, the day that we are taping this and recording this, it is sunny here. It's 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 above freezing temperatures, and there are weather warnings running across the ticker <laughs> about a storm that, by the time you listen to this, will or will not have started, which is a couple days away. And I I personally don't plan on eating any of my family members over the weekend, and I don't eat bread. So one of the good news on that is that I did not have to, quote, stock up on bread like everyone else. My question to you is, why is it always bread and milk? I, I, allegedly, I guess that's perishable, and that's the thing that you're going to go through fastest and all that. But and kids, only, you know, kids, will, kids will only eat bread and milk. That's what it is. If you have kids, you can't force them to eat canned soup and stuff. You have to have bread and milk. Uh, you should know that, I Jim. Suppose, but almost every year, I'm, I'm in the D.C. area, which is well known for being absolutely incompetent when it comes to storms. Uh, wasn't that long And whiny. <laughs> and, you know, and particularly whiny, but a couple of years ago, I believe it was Marion Barry during his mayoral days, used to take credit for the sunny days because <laughs> he said, well, if you're going to blame me for the snow days where the, snow, where the streets don't get plowed, I should get credit for the sunny days. Uh-huh. Um, that's the kind of you know, competent leadership we're, we're used to getting around here. Um, I, I do believe several times last winter the, uh, here in Fairfax County, the schools closed because <clears throat> it was cold. And, um, that, well, the delays have already started for that. Yes. I saw yes. several delays already because it was, quote, cold. Now, it was really interesting because I was having this conversation on uh, social media, and one of the people that I was speaking with was from Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. And, of course, there they have a rule that if it's negative 25 or below, they automatically cancel school. <laughs> she said... How cold is it there? I said, it's not freezing yet. (laughs) 
And like, she man, no longer could hear here. any more yeah. of my conversation. Now, I mean, it's chilly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say, oh, it's it's great out there. I'm just gonna observe that. Like, I, I seem to remember. This is where you turn into the old man who you know walked uphill in the snow both ways to go to school and things. They like make that. coats. But, yeah. <laughs> if only, if only that had been invented. Now, um, the the argument you get is that DC is a city of transplants. We have lots of people from you know places in the country that don't get snow, and they move here, and all of a sudden, you know, the the ambassador from some Saharan country is saying, what is this white stuff from the sky? You know, and all of a sudden there's their cars start skidding off the roads and things like that. But it, it's it's kind of this is one of my least favorite times of the year. I should be counting my blessings that it's uh, mid-January or we're in the latter half of January and we haven't had a snow day yet. So I guess I should be thankful that, you know, white stuff from the sky hasn't brought the entire region to a standstill. The paradigm's a little different here in South Texas. Three days ago, I had a quarter of an inch of ice on the bottom half of my windshield, and I screamed in paralyzing fear, the horror. So I hope you don't get anything horrible like that where you live. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's very hard to tell exactly what is coming, um, because, of course, I do not trust the weather witchcraft people. Um I, I do, however, I'm sacrificing a goat to the weather god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm still down with going out and doing rain dances if necessary. I think it's just as accurate. Snow um, angels. Now, having said that, I, Jim, you mentioned you know snow falling from the sky. Have you guys? Have either one of you seen this video? Um, it's gone viral of a man trying to explain to I'm going to guess maybe like 18 month old child that snow falls from the sky. It is one not. of the cutest funniest things because all she does is giggle it like oh you're ridiculous that's (laughs) where it comes from and he's like no snow falls from the sky and she's like ah no 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 so i'm going to find that and put that up on our facebook page um that's facebook.com forward slash jim and mickey show and uh because i gotta tell you it was one of the funniest things i saw on the internet all week long and just adorable you know, you mentioned the uh, occult high priests of the weather uh, <laughs> of, of the weather forecasting business. Uh-huh. I have I don't know about you. I, I watch the the local uh, NBC affiliate up here, usually around eleven o'clock. Do you detect tension between the weatherman and whatever correspondent has to go out in the in the weather <laughs> in the middle of the night <laughs> for the, the live newscast? Yes, because you know the one in the studio is probably getting paid more. Yeah, well, the, the, so the, the, there's that, and then. One of the things that has happened here recently, literally as of, I hadn't noticed it prior to this week, but apparently we're now doing grocery store cast. Yes, as that's, part that's of the, the first weather. place you go. You know. Well, no, it's a grocery store cast weather forecast, and this one is five loaves of bread <laughs> out of five loaves of bread. Look at oh these empty God. shelves. <laughs> that happened. Is is if it's any worse, is it kill your neighbor? Is it? <laughs> I'm not sure. What I thought was interesting, being that we are in Richmond, that he put five loaves of bread instead of like five bottles of booze. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back with tonight's cannibalism report. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just say I, I I don't know about you. I watch the local news, and you know, it'll be like you know, Doug the weatherman. I'm like, yeah, it's another cold one. Don't know if snow is coming, but the temperatures are going to plunge. Let's go to Jackie out there. Jackie, how you doing? I can't feel my body. <laughs> yeah. Why are you so warm in there in the studio? I know you're wearing shorts and flip flops under that jacket. I know you are. <laughs> 
I'm here I, I, in a crime scene. Why do I need to be here? Somebody I, got shot. I can say the exact same thing. What I do you need this live? Look at the police lights behind me. I love when they're trying to maintain their composure because, of course, you know, they are professionals and they're out there. And, you know, a lot of them, this is their first start in local news and any news broadcast. And they're standing out there in these wretched temperatures, freezing. There's like snot bubbles coming out their nose and they're trying to like hold themselves together as their eyes are now just watering their cheeks are wind burned snow starts to pile up on their face and they are supposed to pretend like nothing's happening they're just reporting it all out and I, there are moments when that can be the most fun of the whole thing well that oh they, they start doing the directly contradicting exactly what they're saying it is temperatures are really dropping down here. Frostbite can kick in really. No one should be out in weather like this. Only an absolute idiot would be standing out in the cold for long periods of time <laughs> like I'm doing right now. Oh, absolutely. It, it goes right along with the whole hurricane thing. I mean, let's face it. The reason hurricane coverage is so popular is because we're just waiting for one of them to get swept out in the ocean. I'm, I'm kind of pretty sure that Dan Rather's entire career came and his his whole star making moment was that big hurricane he covered early in his career tying himself to the palm tree <laughs> and everyone watching and saying break rope break come on <laughs> come on we want to see again rather get washed out to sea and boy how life would how 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 history would have turned out differently i'm looking forward you know? to more youtube videos of people slipping and falling especially like that one where the live reporter interviewed a man and woman jogging why are you jogging in the ice and snow? Oh, the weather's perfect. We really love it. And she jogs down the street in view of the camera and slips and falls on her butt. Uh-huh. More of those, please. More of that, please. We like to see people fall down. We appreciate that. That's good stuff. I'm sure uh- the put some ice on that fractured tibia you have there. Yes. <laughs> Keep running. Walk it off. That would make a great Japanese game show. <laughs> running so on right. ice or something yes. <laughs> or, or you know I, I mean obviously maybe they're out there all hoping for the youtube moment basically saying you know yeah the icy roads are really dangerous and then you see the car accident in the intersection behind them they know that's going to live in infamy that's going to be on all the national newscasts be all <laughs> over the place you know Maybe they, it's basically like they're out there hoping for trouble. Well, and there are clearly like weather geeks, like people who really get into these storms. And Mr. Bias happens to be one of them. Um, he, he enjoys like watching weather in action, seeing it all develop. Me personally don't care. Also, like I said, I, I look at the forecasters themselves as a bit of fortune tellers. And, you know, there were many days in my life that I would have liked to have been right 10% of the time <laughs> at my job <laughs> and still, you know, gotten paid. Yeah. Um, last night, the weatherman is like, look, I'm not putting out a snow forecast map yet. Some people on those other networks are putting them out, but they're going to change them later. I don't like to change it once I put it out there. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that's like some weatherman smack talk between the networks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There appears to be a little bit of that going on at the local level. Like, well, we're the ones who have the real forecast. No, we're the (laughs) The ones who have the – Yeah, like we have the you know super special cast, and we know exactly when it's going to happen. Super Doppler. Yeah, and it's like, oh, my God. Super hyper mega Doppler. Some of the best television, without a doubt, is local weather people. And whether that's because they know that what they're saying means very little, or it's because they say the same thing almost every week and they have to make their jobs more enjoyable. 
I love it when you know you had a really lengthy cold snap, and the anchors themselves get a little snippy with their weatherman. So let's see if Doug has any good news for us after the <laughs> awful reports he's been giving us lately. Like what's up, fault. Doug? <laughs> yes. Oh, so what's what do you have? Be, anything huh? there? Is there any good? And Doug will say something like, "You know, I, I don't, I don't create the weather. I, I just report it." And they all just kind of glare at him, like, "Sure." Oh yeah, yeah. If you're in the middle of a bad snap, you don't want to be the weather guy. Remember, we know you're enjoying this, Doug. We yeah, know, we know you're you the one like it. Right. Remember Steve Martin in L.A. story with the same weather cast every day for his whole life. Yes. Yeah. You had to get creative on the board there. Now, people on the East Coast not going to have that problem this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, great movie in general, actually. Um, well, moving forward, we do have uh, some discussions about the movies and, uh, more importantly, the awards for them on the other side of this break. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Marsha, what happened? Peter hit me in the nose with a football. I can't go to the dance like this. Hello and welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host Jim Garrity. And uh, as I tease coming into this, we... uh, are going to discuss the Oscars um, as they have been on the lips of everyone this year, but not for the reasons that they usually are. Um, there's a lot of discussion about the movies that were selected. Um, there's been a lot of pushback, as you know, um, at this point from the black community. Uh, there's even a hashtag, Oscars So White. Jada Pickett-Smith has spoken out about this. Um And it's really interesting to me, one, uh, that you've now introduced race into almost a quota type situation for an awards ceremony. But then it also becomes a situation for me who looks at this and says, those of you who claim to do this for the art, those of you who claim to do this for the work. You cannot unring the bell of losing your minds over a trophy. I I think you are on strong ground with that, Mickey. And here's the thing. If I were Will Smith, I might be really hurt this year. If I were Michael B. Jordan or whatever his name is and done a really good job in Creed and I didn't get nominated – I might be really, my, I might feel snubbed and my feelings might be really, you know, I might feel really disappointed and bitter and angry. Mickey, in all the problems facing the world, the country, you know, how many people can really legitimately say they were snubbed this year, really deserved a nomination? Five? Ten? Again, like, there's so much more that goes into this than just whether or not, like, they did a good job. They have to market it. They have to get it out in front of people. Some of these movies I've never heard of. This is usually the case. I mean, honestly, I, my my response to Oscars So White was really it's more Oscars So British. And it's really funny because they wanted no, Idris. Really, by the way. Wait, well, they wanted Idris to be nominated for a movie I am not even familiar with. And I'm a huge Idris Elba fan. They wanted him nominated, apparently not recognizing that he is also British. Because if you watch and you look at 95% of these films that, and the actors that are nominated, 
they are, as we've discussed before on this program, you, you know, it has, you've got to have, you, you must gain weight, you must have gay storyline, you must have this, you must have that. And there are certain things the Oscar people are obviously looking for, and they all apparently end up in these depressing British movies <laughs> that then get nominated. I think the whole issue would have been put to bed a long time ago if they had only finished Fifty Shades of Black six months sooner. Uh, uh, Nikki, I think you had probably the best Freudian slip uh, of the entire program when you said Oscars so what instead of Oscars so white. <laughs> here's the question. What is the point of the Oscars? Why, why, are we, why are we in the audience supposed to care? That's just I, it. It was originally not televised, and maybe they should mm-hmm. get back to that. Well, I was going to say, I'll, if at some point this turned into this a fairly big deal pop cultural phenomenon in which we are supposed to feel emotionally invested in who wins. And part of it is, is that one, I don't, you know, like if, if you're a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, are you a, a big fan of him this year because of his passionate love scene with the bear in The Revenant? Or are you a big fan of him because of Titanic and the other stuff he's done? Like, well, the body of work almost always weighs into it. And that's what I'm saying is that ultimately all of these are kind of turning into lifetime achievement awards. And I don't really mind that. That actually strikes me as a fairly uh, fair or, or a good idea. That, that ultimately uh, De- people would say Denzel Washington in um, Training Day wasn't actually his best performance. Correct. But he I, was I would agree with that. One. But he was due. Yeah. So I, I mean, Denzel's case, had great movies prior to that. And there was some controversy surrounding it. And. The thing about the most ridiculous part, and I'm just going to say this, about Oscars So White is the fact that Chris Rock is hosting it. (laughs) And they were getting ready to give Spike Lee a Lifetime Achievement type award. I thought he got one last year. Um, No, he was getting one. They were honoring him or something. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he got it last year. I don't know. Whatever. Because Spike Lee and I are, you know, like oil and water 95% of the time. However, one of the things that he said was, I'm not calling for a boycott. What I said was I'm not going because I have tickets to the Lakers game. (laughs) And I think you take that for what it is. I know that he has his own thing going on because he's he's that Chirac film that he did while it is a train wreck. Um, I mean, really, who saw a musical about the deaths in Iraq as being like a hit. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know Springtime for I, Hitler. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those moments where it's just something, you know, whatever. But that was his point on it. And I, I you know, obviously Jada had her own personal issues because she felt that Will deserved an Oscar. That's well and good. But that was kind of a crappy movie. Well, um, as you say, if you're if you if you feel your husband, your your spouse did a really great job, right? And you wish they. Oh, I, I can understand that. I can relate to that. But, but do you the call thing for is a that, boycott like, of the whole damn thing? Well, and here's the thing: like Will Smith has been nominated twice already, right? And and did both he times he's no, he he's been nominated twice, and he you know for Ali and for the Pursuit of Happiness, and oh by the way, both times he lost, he lost to an African American actor. He lost to Denzel Washington the first time, and. Uh, uh, last King of Scotland, um, Forrest Whitaker in the second mm-hmm. one. So, it, it, again, it's kind of hard to say, ah, this continues the the. Well, academies. and it is my understanding that while Straight Outta Compton did not win any, or was not nominated, rather, for any 
of the acting awards, they were nominated for directing, which makes it one of the okay. first black African direct or black directors nominated. I and so hate, there's to be I some celebration. You, but you're wrong. Oh. Uh, it did not get nominated for best director. It did get nominated for best screenplay. Uh, oh, screenwriter that may have is, been it. and the screenwriter's white. Um, but having okay, so here's the thing: the, the, if the people who are frustrated with the uh, Academy Awards look at it and say, "Ah, this is old Hollywood. This is the old system. This is the establishment. These are the people who don't appreciate hip hop, who don't appreciate." Uh, these alternative visions, these rising stars and all that stuff. I, I, actually, I think there's a fairly strong case to be made for that. In that case, write them off. I have one thing to say to you about that. Yes? Hustle and flow. What about it? When you go back to that particular movie, that was the movie that really was a breakthrough movie all about the hip-hop industry, etc., and a huge breakthrough movie for... Um, Terrence Howard and I think that you know that was when he was first really recognized so again it's not like the hip-hop culture hasn't been recognized it's not like Spike Lee hasn't been recognized over the years 2015 wasn't a year for really great movies period and I haven't seen the ones that are nominated um apparently not a single one of them and the only one that holds any interest to me is The Room or Room rather okay I was just say the only picture that I think I've seen on the list. I'd have to go back and double check. Was The Martian, um, and that's kind of like the token blockbuster in this category. The rest of them are, you know, as you said, these British historical dramas about one man's love for his potato. Right. And it, it, <laughs> well, Mad Max is in there somewhere. So, right. but we've been lamenting the fact that you know Hollywood picks these you know uh, obscure art house films as their best picture nominees, and, and their argument is, look, these are films that deserve a bigger audience, and by giving them a a Oscar nomination, you're telling the audience out there, hey, America, you should go see this movie. Well, okay, but then you can't turn around and be surprised when the ratings go down year after year. Because it's a bunch of actors and a bunch of movies nobody's you know, seen or cared about. Um, I guess we Absolutely. could say that the token one in the acting category this year is Stallone for Creed. Um, and again, that's another one where doesn't I'm Stallone cheering for just, him, obviously. Lifetime yeah. Achievement Award. Exactly. It's, yes. it's not for this year. It's for the, I, I kind of was hoping Harrison Ford would get one for Star Wars this year. Um, but again, like maybe you could say this is why you have the people's choice awards this is why you have all these other award series the academy awards not to mention a, the bet awards the yeah. you know the things that are time. already set aside for that yeah for a long time the academy has kind of cultivated this image of look this is what the insiders think this is not the films that are most popular none of the blockbusters are they've always go. kind of embraced the elitist attitude yes. and you know so then when they turn around and get criticized for being elitist why are they recoiling? <laughs> Why are they offended and shocked and horrified over this when this is specifically the image you have, have you know, set out to pursue and cultivate for such a long time? But I also think there's something to be said. I don't know if you guys saw. There was a video that came out that was almost surreal um, from Aunt Viv from Prince, Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah, the actress that, that yeah. trashed on the um, – And she was scolding Jada Pinkett Smith. And one of the things that she said, and I thought this was something to be taken to heart – was that, you know, there is no reason to downgrade those that are the best in the industry when the idea is to strive to be the best. And, and, and so there's something to be said for that. I also think that, you know, Jada Pickett's met this from Baltimore. 
she went to the same school as Tupac um, in Baltimore. It was a arts high school. And I feel like her time could be spent better maybe focusing on her hometown. Just saying. Ooh. All, uh, all Jada Pinkett Smith fans can direct their anger at Mickey White this week. Um, just one I'll last take point. that all day long. Mickey, it's kind of like the Pro Bowl nominations. Anybody you're going to put on, anybody who you feel was unfairly snubbed or should have been picked, you got to take somebody off. Who's, who among the nom- again, these are all British art house films, so I can't tell you who gave a bad performance. I can't tell you who's being overrated because, you know, no one saw any of these films. Right. But they may have been really good performances if anybody would seen them. I, well, and that may be true. And, and I would only say this. My favorite movies of 2015, almost every single one of them involve Kevin Hart. Ah. So take that for what it's worth. They weren't nominated. They were never going to be nominated, but they made bank, and they were really good and really funny, worthwhile movies. You know, I think he truly speaks as the thespian voice of a generation. (laughs) We'll be right back after this with Chick-fil-A Kale. Any place, any time is a good time for Coke. Lawrence Taylor denies any involvement in this. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. You know, Mickey, I think one of the iconic moments in the first year of the Jim and Mickey show was a shared lunch of kale with our good friend, Red Pickle, um, by their Twitter handles. And uh, we, we kind of came to the conclusion that people had said, ah, oh, you know, if you put a little Parmesan cheese and a little bit of salt on kale, uh, it's, it's actually pretty good. And we concluded these people are liars. They are terrible, terrible liars. Um, but I understand that uh, one of one of America's greatest iconic restaurant chains, Chick Fil A, is um, it's not going to offer kale, Mickey. Yes, and I have a bone to pick with Chick Fil A on this. As first of all, I was a fan of their coleslaw, which is what they removed to replace it with this new kale salad thing. They did, and I hate that. I love their coleslaw too. I love their coleslaw. And in in support of those of us who loved their coleslaw, they generously gave out the recipe. Now, allow me to make myself clear. I love Chick-fil-A. Their food is amazing. But if I want to make my own coleslaw, I will use my granny's recipe. I want to pull up to a drive-thru and get my chicken and coleslaw. And I do not wish to be scolded and forced upon to taste Kale, which, as Jim has mentioned, I believe, uh, I, I think we were somewhere having lunch in D.C., and that was, kale is the devil. And, was- and you cannot replace something as good as Chick-fil-A coleslaw with kale. Uh, I believe it was it was kale chips was the uh, yes they were they the, were supposed to be tasting better because they were like seasoned and fried yeah, and, and parmesan cheese and and salt and spices and the look almost anything if you put parmesan cheese and salt and spices on it improves it and somehow kale is bad enough to overpower the parmesan cheese and it's so ubiquitous it's so so found everywhere in all kind of restaurant menus Mickey how certain are we that kale is not actually kudzu. <laughs> I am not uncertain at all because of the bitter, awful taste that it is. I mean, let's face it. You can put any greens together and call it a salad these days. So quite possibly someone was like, hey, you know what? I mean, kale is like – it's very much the hipster vegetable. 
Oh, right? yes. It's, it came out of Brooklyn. You know, it's got this little goatee. It's wearing flannel. It's kind of <laughs> ironic. <laughs> One of those goofy hats. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so I was going to say, look, I, I suppose we See, should be I fine. always envision Kale coming out of California, and it's more like it's got board shorts on. It's carrying its surfboard. It's got dreads. <laughs> And it's Kale a white the dude. Guy. Yes, it's Kale. a white dude with like dude, white dreads. Isn't that the guy that and lived with OJ Simpson? Yeah, right. <laughs> that it, 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 it's just one Kale of Kalen. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like that's Kale to me as, as a person, and so obviously not a person I want to hang out with. Um, and so therefore, also not a food that I want to eat. But but Chick Fil A has done something, you know, that's that's questionable at best. But yeah. McDonald's is introducing something. I mean, they've they've been slowly introducing all these healthy things here in America. But now, um, overseas and in their European McDonald's, they are offering French fries drizzled with chocolate. <laughs> McDonald's will try anything to get you back. <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, as someone, of course, you know, this is something I could never eat in my life. But I look at it and I'm like, so I, I'd consider it. <laughs> you want that Mickey, first bite anyway. Right? Yeah. Mickey, is is Ronald McDonald pregnant? I, you know, I don't know. Um, with all the unique cravings that he's putting together. I'm uncertain of that. I need the salty and the sweet. Maybe it was birdie. You know, we, we've already talked about the, 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 the menace of the grimace. Well, and uh, the other maybe- thing McDonald's has done is like I, when I was home, I was absolutely stunned when I walked into my small hometown McDonald's and saw that it had been transformed into like cosmopolitan McDonald's. It looked nothing like the McDonald's on the inside that I remembered at all. Did you, uh, did you, did the steward give you a soda list? Recommend the 2014 <laughs> Diet Coke. It was a really great vintage that year. Here is the cork for you to sniff, sir. Yeah. And no, my, uh, but it would be better than sommelier. some of the service that I have received. Oh, you, well, you mentioned milkshakes. My God, there, there is a milkshake being sold in New York City of all places, of course, until they ban it. Um, and the milkshake itself is ridiculous. I'll, I'll try to find a link and put that up on our Facebook page as well. Selling this milkshake for $15, and people are literally lining up around the corner to get it. What is in? If you say kale, I'm going to be really disappointed. No, it's a real live milkshake like with different flavors, and there's like cake piled on top of it, and candies, and cookies, and thing is ridiculous. And a prize at the bottom or something? <laughs> like what? I, um, you're just going to have to see it. And again, remember, it's in New York. So $15 is like, you know, five to everybody. Okay. Yeah. That's actually, a, that's a discount in New York. Yeah. So that exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, because when I first thought, I assumed it was going to be, you know, a $30, $40 <laughs> Um, But yeah. And, and it's this crazy, insane thing. And I'm like, and of course it comes out of New York. The, the place where they're trying, where they try to ban soda, a 32 ounce soda is too much, but let us give yeah. you. You can't this- have the 32 ounce Diet Coke, but a $15 milkshake, that's just fine. The Here's $15 your $10, milkshake, that I'm going to guess, is calorically somewhere around 2,000 calories. Yeah. Well, part of it is the cupcake that they put in the milkshake. It's right, exactly. Down. I mean, like, we're talking about cakes and cookies, and it, it's unbelievable, but. This is coming out of New York, and so we just wonder, you know, I, I have to wonder, I guess, how long it is before suddenly, you know, obviously those milkshakes are banned. You know, it's, you know so I myself have tried to avoid the milkshakes lately. 
New Year, trying to be healthy. And, and Mickey, I recently had the experience. Of, I, I've signed up for probably the most like the ultimate like spectacular luxury yuppie gym here in uh, Authenticity <laughs> Woods, Virginia. Okay, and it's really nice, costing a pretty penny. But I, I, I don't know if you've noticed. The, I, I call it the death of service in America. Mm. I had this very strange experience. The place is spectacular. Million machines. It's got a pool. It's got the hot, the wet sauna, the dry sauna. Anything, anybody. I, I really have no excuse for not exercising anymore. The place is spectacular. They give me the tour. I try it out. It's all there. I like it. It's all set up. And they can't find the person who's in charge of signing people up. <laughs> and apparently, there's like one person in this entire giant place. There's only one person who can add me to the list and sign me up. So, you ever seen the meme where it's the guy from uh, uh, Futurama and he's saying, "Take my money." Yes. I was literally, almost literally that guy said, look, I want to give you money. I want to sign up. Why can you not do this? Why is this so – it was like 20 minutes to find the right person. And then we had to go up and we had to sign a million forms. And I had to promise not to sue them if I ever twist my leg. And, you know, right. Yeah. Even though like under yoga class you're supposed to twist your leg and all that stuff. <laughs> but I, I just kind of was stunned by that. Like, here is this state-of-the-art facility. And nobody – you know, they're, they're nice people. I'm not saying they're rude or anything. Just nobody seemed to know how to do their jobs. And I'm thinking like, man – was this the Great Recession? Like we just laid everybody off, and when we hired people back, we never bothered to train them. Well, you know, or it's just a skeletal staff at best because of you know people making cutbacks and things like that. But usually, and I and I mean this down in a downturn, you get better service. But I think I think we've got a lot of really lazy people out there, um, and I think that it's really interesting that you would say that because some of the most difficult places to work with, in my opinion, with service are those that are high end. If you had gone to, and maybe it's an expectation thing, but if you had gone to a kind of discount gym, you would have expected, you know, mediocre service at best. But when you know you're going to be paying through the nose for this very high tech gym and whatever, and they're promising you the moon and the stars and the very first introduction to take my money, yes, I want to do this is, Hold it up. We're not exactly sure how to do that. Yeah, I was say, it does not give you confidence in the company. Well, th- this is the great irony: is that it was usually the place is terrible until it comes to take your money, and then they're fast and they're right on top of that or something. <laughs> this was exactly the opposite. They were spectacular at everything except the part where I had to pay, and I wanted to pay. Did maybe you? they just need a closing class, like a, a sales class, or a, you know, or well, maybe there- watch Glenn Gary again, Ross. It was like there was only one person in the entire company who could like press the button to make me a member, and they had to figure out where that person was. He, did you resolve that this? Did beamed you, away to another dimension. Did you get them paid? Did you find that person? I'm yes, dying I to did, know. Eventually. But it, and it just, so you got signed up. Now, tell me this. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be taking any of the new kind of trendy classes like SoulCycle? No, no. I'm, I'm you know elliptical and lift heavy things kind of guy i don't do any okay so are you familiar with that though where they like turn down the music or turn down the lights and they jam the music and you ride your bike and you compete with other people no i i have no jazz hands uh i don't (laughs) well there's another one and i don't know what it is called but they have another group where they're getting people together in a basically the same type of aerobic room that you would have with any other gym Mm-hmm. And turning off the lights and pumping in club music, and you just okay. dance for like an hour. I, I guess that counts as cardio. I, is is it like absolutely? If you yoga? keep moving the entire time, why wouldn't it? Right? Yeah, all right, it's movement. All right, I guess it counts. You know, and maybe maybe if you maybe people will find that more enjoyable than you know 
uh, running in place or, or any of the other stuff. They're well, that was the kind of thing I liked about it was I'm actually interested in it only because I love the idea of like one of the biggest fears I think people have of going to the gym is being judged by other people. Oh, yeah. So if it's being done in the dark, it tends to, you know, eliminate that. You know, the other thing is, I guess, if it's in the how, – how dark are these studios? Because if that's the case, you wouldn't have to actually move. You could stand still and the, the instructor couldn't notice. Well, the pictures that I have seen, they actually had like kind of dance floor lights flashing. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like completely dark. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, really, if you're going to go there and stand in the dark and not move, that also makes you kind of like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you do the lifting of the knife. That, that's exercise right there that builds the biceps, the triceps. So. Uh, that's in, it always seems like they feel... We can't just go and exercise. We need some sort of trendy. It's got to be Zumba. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be some sort of great new innovation in exercise mm-hmm. that is actually the same kind of, you know, well, move, stretch, jump, you know. Right, run, move. Increase heart being rate. the key part, I think. And yeah. it's hard for some people. And I get that, dude. I totally get it. But um, I, I, I am certainly, you know, I think that's one of the first things that people try to do with the new year. And I will be encouraging you as I hope you encourage me on our goals for this year. And uh, we're going to talk about something that is kind of a life goal, dream job, and most amazing new TV show uh, that I want to share with you all in the next segment. I am Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back. He's a demolition demon in a beat-up Chevrolet. It ain't worth a dollar, so he wrecks it every day. One thin September soon, a floating continent disappears in midnight sun. Hi, and welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White, along with Jim Garrity, and uh, I am here to introduce you all to one of my new favorite television shows. And it's a little bizarre, but it's on the Travel Channel, and it is called Planet Primetime. Now... The premise of the show is that a woman travels all around the world and you get to see different cultures, which is why I love the Travel Channel. You know me and my wonderlust. Mm-hmm. But what she focuses on is the television programs of that country. Okay. And the first show was on Japan. <laughs> okay, that's kind of stacking the deck, but okay, go ahead. Yes, and, and the second show was actually shot in Mexico City, also very interesting. But it was fascinating to me um, because those of you, I'm sure, have heard of some of the strange things that come out of Japan. And, well, to say the least, I believe that they've already hit the, quote, ow my balls level (laughs) of television. There really was a game show with naked men sitting on blocks of ice. And who could sit the longest? I'm just bringing around to folks who aren't completely familiar with the tale of the insane Japanese game show. But it is nuts. It is. It is absolutely insane. And I was watching it and just, like, thrilled with the idea of her really getting involved with the culture. She made a point of hanging out with the locals and trying different things in every place that she goes. And, again, it's called Planet Primetime. Um but it is absolutely stunning. And, and, and some of the situations of what other people in other countries watch as entertainment. Now, of course, I'm sitting here with Mr. Bias. And he looks at me and he goes, once again, you have found a show about us watching people who are watching TV. Because, you know, I'm a big fan of the people's couch. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Yeah, but this is fascinating because not you're not just talking about the people watching the TV program. You actually get to see some of it. And quite frankly, I mean, honestly, whatever we do on national TV here in America, they can't, Japan has already done it. Japan and, and the Al My Balls reference, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is directly from Idiocracy. It was everyone's favorite show. <laughs> and I, say, and I, 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 this is not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. During the time she was in Japan, she got to do several of these shows and participate. And in one of them, one of the big highlights of the show is they have a male stand over a large metal thing with a large rubber ball at the end. Kind of think catapult. And they do a three, two, one countdown and then whammo right to the family jewels. And everyone laughs. And then, of course, (laughs) the guy like passes out. And that is the like cultivate the, the the end the culminating moment of this the number one comedy show in japan you know mickey i'm going to just you know share one particular anecdote of my, the, the perhaps the opening anecdote of my two years abroad in 2005 we, we fly out from dulles we have a stopover in uh, i believe it was frankfurt germany and then we were going to head to ankara turkey where we lived for two years the late flight, we're supposed to sleep on the flight. Un- unsurprisingly, I don't sleep well on the planes. We, we were actually able to stay in the, the business lounge for a couple hours in between the two flights. Business lounge, fall asleep, you know, I've, I've, you know, not great sleep sitting in a chair. I wake up, and there is an extremely fat German in Lederhosen, topless, <laughs> dancing on the screen in front of me. And I remember thinking, I am not in Kansas anymore. This is German <laughs> television. And I seem to remember in our various travels and stuff, Italy had a lot of, this is technically a talk show, but mostly it's a jiggle show. Mostly yes. it's just, here's, here's someone who, a, a girl who, um, probably the, maybe the, the best comparison to here in North America would be Super Blah Blahzo. That Spanish, you know, it's on either one of the Spanish channels that all men kind of know what show that is. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it, but they can appreciate something about it. Yes, there's, there's a certain appreciation value. Yeah, this is the part where every guy thinks thinks they know they know Spanish because they watch that channel every day. <laughs> well, so what other? Okay, as I say, if you begin with Japan, it kind of feels like you're stacking the deck. Did they give you a sense of like what other countries? Uh, well, as I said, uh, the, the next, the second one that I was able to catch was um, Mexico, and she was in Mexico, Mexico City, and it was really interesting um, to see the take on. Both, you know, how they film things from the no, the telenovelas to what they consider their comedy to obviously, you know, there's they have their own culture of television as well and their own culture of comedy. Although it's very interesting because they have the show that is hosted by monkeys from another planet. Ah, oh, I've heard. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. Monkeys from another planet. Haven't they just reinvented Planet of the Apes? <laughs> Basically, but stay with me on this. The, the monkeys report the news back to their planet. So on their planet, it's a comedy show. And, and on our planet, it's the news. Because people do ridiculous things. 
And I found it fascinating. It was really funny. It was really good. I found it fascinating, though, that, of course, being that it was in Mexico and they were doing such strong political humor that all of them were completely covered as though they were in Planet of the Apes. Here's the, is the, I can understand, like, the, the idea for this show is really interesting. On the other hand, isn't one of the dirty little secrets of American television that they get a lot of ideas for shows from foreign television? Like, wasn't Ugly Betty based on a Mexican telenovela? Well, a lot of shows come from other places, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the dirty little secrets in Hollywood which isn't really much of a secret once you had The Office come out mm-hmm. and come over and then you know what they did to Broadchurch was criminal but that's a whole another thing um, it, it just shows again a lack of creativity I guess but again for me it's not necessarily about the shows for me it's about seeing the culture of the other countries and considering right now in, in you know the state of the, the country and state of the travel industry and the economy and where we're allowed to travel and where we're not allowed to travel um, for someone who has wonderlust as though as I do, these type of shows are a great way to introduce yourself into the culture. And one of the other new shows on the Travel Channel um, that that they are airing is "Could I Live Here," and it has people who are thinking of moving from America to other countries, and they kind of experience the culture for a week and decide whether or not they could actually live in that country or not. Which is interesting. I, I did um, see that. And one of the things I had wondered about was, because um, I think they, one was on Istanbul, right? Yes. Yes. What did they decide? Did they decide they could live in Istanbul, Turkey? No. All right. I, I, I was just say, it's not the Istanbul I used to know. So if they said, hey, neighborhood's getting a little, little busy with bombings lately, um, I can't begrudge that assessment. But otherwise, a very pretty city. Yes, beautiful city, and that's one of the great things about these Travel Channel shows. Again, giving you the opportunity to see some cities that you know you might not ever really travel to. Um, but they also give you the idea of maybe I do want to travel there. It was a bonus night for me because I also got to watch one of my favorite episodes of Booze Traveler, the episode where he visits Nepal. And, um, and of course, that's the episode with the god Shiva, the god of cannabis. And and he gets to experience their holy rituals involving the THC tea or the pot tea as, you know, for some of you who may not know what that means. You know, we should emphasize that is pot tea, not a pot of tea uh, for those who might yeah. have construed what Mickey was saying. So <laughs> in, in your virtual journeys through this uh, through this program, Mickey, both both the uh, could I live there and the booze traveler. And it looks like now you're getting to explore the world through television shows. Has any place jumped out at you as, oh, I really want to move there tomorrow? Yes. And that is? Um, I'm not telling. No, actually, there are several places that I would move there tomorrow. But one in particular is the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, One, because it's still a U.S. territory, yet it is a beautiful tropical Caribbean island. So there's that. And then, you know, I, I... you know I have a soft spot for Mexico. And so there's a part of me that thinks that there are certain places in Mexico I could live. Mexico City not being one of them um, <laughs> at all. And, you know, there are other English-speaking countries as well as, you know, I work on my Spanish. So 
I think that, you know, I, I would be comfortable living in Central America and certain, again, certain countries, not all. Um, but this wanderlust that fills me, it's, it's something I prefer to think of as the idea of travel versus actually living there um, forever. But if, you know, if, the, if it came to it, yes, I can totally see myself doing it if it came to it. Interesting. I, I'm struck by the number of people who have that dream. Um, and, and I don't know whether how many people like it, it's something serious or they're kind of like, no, you know, this country's going down the tubes. I got to get my, my armed compound. You know, once you use all your Powerball winnings, Mickey, um, right. you'll, you'll, build your, you'll build your fortified compound somewhere in Central America or something like that. No, the fortified compound will probably out, be somewhere out in like Wyoming or Montana or something. Um, that's my guess on that front. And, and, and of course, I will have all of the tropical settings. But like I said, I just, I, you know, for our listeners, um, I'd love to hear your feedback on what you think about the Travel Channel and some of the things and shows that they're offering now. They've certainly started to change it up a lot um, from what they used to do on there. And I really like some of the way they're exploring other countries. Mm. Well, I would recommend to all of our uh uh, listeners, both here and abroad, around the world, to keep it right here because right after this break, Miley, uh, Mickey will let you know that Miley and Liam are back together, and I will not care. Keep it right here. I wish I knew how to quit you. You make me want to be a better man. <laughs> hey, here's a great place to visit if you must do some driving. Your independent Texaco retailer. Ask how he can help you get better mileage with quality Texaco products and by practicing good maintenance. He also has fine Texaco gasolines, including lead-free Texaco, all with protective and detergent additives. So let your independent Texaco retailer help you get the most out of every gallon of gasoline you use. At Texaco, we're working to keep your trust. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And I come to you towards the close of our program with good news and bad news. The good news is that my lovely co-host, Mickey White, is now doing, with greater frequency, more and more appearances on TMZ Live. Yes, the pop cultural phenomenon uh, that, that has the hot, you know, quickest and hottest Hollywood gossip. The bad news is, Mickey, you, they expect you on things like Miley and Liam getting back together. Do I understand this correctly? Yes. Yes, that is in fact one of my one of my last conversations with TMZ Live was specifically about um Miley and Liam and we're talking Miley Cyrus and Liam Helmsworth and uh, they were on vacation together down in Australia with his family and she was showing up in all of the family photos and I was asked to comment on it. I predicted that they would get back together as they had been previously engaged for four years before she, you know, kind of went off the rails and um, came out with her new album and new look, etc. So now they, um, you know, show up in the holidays and there's these pictures. I, I, of course, think, you know, this is a good thing for Miley and uh, because he seems to be a kind of, let's call him a stabilizing force in her life. <laughs> and, um, and suddenly, suddenly this week she starts sporting an engagement ring. So I should have put some bets on that or something. I was going to say, Mickey, when you talk about a stabilizing force compared to Miley Cyrus, doesn't Dennis Rodman meet that cast? <laughs> <laughs> clear that bar? Doesn't Kim Jong-un come There's across a, a little spectrum. more stable? 
But yeah, no, carry on. Tell me, so, so what does what is the reunification of, of Liam and Miley mean? Um, well, I suspect that it's going to be um, really good uh, television for a lot of the entertainment networks. Uh, TMZ, I suspect, will be all over this. However, I've already started seeing women respond with "Run, Liam, run." <laughs> Uh, don't do it, Liam, things like that. So I think that women are trying to, in their own way, very subtle way, obviously, <laughs> suggest that maybe this isn't the best move for him. Um, well, I think it probably is a pretty good move for Miley. <laughs> what is it about this uh, Hemsworth, you say, whoever that guy is, this this Australian guy? What is it about him that, that uh, draws the attention even makes a woman like Miley Cyrus want to settle down. What is it about this Hemsworth guy? I have no idea. Oh, he's Chris Hemsworth's brother. I know that. <laughs> he's literally Thor's little brother. Yeah, yeah right. he's the hottest. He, I wouldn't say the hottest thing since second Thor, hottest. but he's like second hottest thing since That's Thor. right. Yeah. He also talks like this in his private life, which means I can expect Miley to be talking like this in about five years, right? Isn't that yes. something? That accent does wonderful yeah. things to women. I'm sure. Insert down under joke here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Mickey, I am glad you're here to keep us updated on these things. Clearly, bringing together Miley and Liam, the most consequential and admittedly potentially ominous reunification since East and West Germany. In <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading a Conrad Adenauer book the other day. Amazing you'd bring that up. <laughs> what would Conrad Adenauer make of Miley? Is there, is there you know... Are there partisans on each side that prefer a uh, – don't they need to, like, merge the names like Brangelina? <laughs> they never, as far as I know, did not have hey, a couple name. Um, yeah. But this was, again, this was in her kind of downtime post, you know, uh, Hannah Montana pre-crazy, crazy Miley. I'm losing track. There's just too many stages. <laughs> I, I think what happens is um, she goes into the cocoon again, <laughs> comes out once again a completely different life. Turns form, on the machine. She'll become, yeah, uh, <laughs> she'll become. Uh, I was going to make a, uh, some other state name, but Virginia is not going to work. Um, you know, uh, you know, make no mistake. Miley Cyrus can sing, and if she can reinvent herself, that's how you keep a career going. Though that's uh, right. You know, if Lady, what's her name can do it? You know, Miley can do it. For God's sake, old ass Madonna's been doing it since the what seventies. Nah, so 80s. you know, you can make a career off of it, and I can't, you know, shame a girl for that. Mickey, I'm starting to detect a pattern here. So I, we're going to do a little bit of like word association here. Um, Kim Kardashian. I'm not playing your game. Boobs. Okay. Uh, Justin Bieber. Stop it. Wuss. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a, see, that's an agreement because when I hear Justin Bieber, I hear I want to say stop it too. That's that's my first reaction there too. Well, I was going to say like Kardashian, Bieber, and now Cyrus. That's kind of hitting for the cycle, right? That's kind of the the Malta summit of of you know pop culture <laughs> vapidness and uh, and all of that. So I, I and gonna... and so I guess that makes me the queen of pop culture vapidness and such. But I'll take it. You, because you, you know what? I will wear that crown with pride because at least I am very comfortable with the decisions that I make, whether or not they're popular amongst the cool kids or not. It's the nerds yeah. you have to worry about, not the cool kids. 
<laughs> well, I will tell you this. Once again, you guys have pushed me through another hour. And hard to believe, but we have wrapped again. And guys, first, before we get off the air, I do want to say one thing. We have had an enormous uptick in listeners um, and some very uh, famous listeners out there as well. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing this show. And thank you for supporting us. Um, We do have a great 2016 plan for you. And uh, I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you have been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be back next week. Now my heart is breaking, but I just keep on saying. Hey, hey.